Not sure what to expect or how to navigate the interview process? Want to make sure your personal statement hits the mark? AMSA's new program, Applied Match Preparation, or AMP, has been created just for you. Get personalized, one-on-one assistance from a team of experts and get ready to shine during the application process. Visit amsa.org amsa-amp to get started today. Delayed gratification, unintended detours. The path to practice isn't always straight and direct. Sometimes the path isn't even visible or seems to disappear all of a sudden. Today, we bring you one student's winding journey. Welcome to the AMSA AdLib Podcast, where you'll hear from med students and experts alike. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. Stories are great for connecting people. We learn not only about the speaker, but have an opportunity to reflect on our own experiences. Joey Johnson's experience probably differs from yours, but it can be inspirational nonetheless. Joey is now AMSA's president-elect, but when he told his story before an audience of his peers last year at a small Story Slam event, he was the new Physician Magazine's student editor. In the words of the Story Slam's host, Perry Tsai, Joey's story is about detours, and it's about waiting, something future physicians are very familiar with, waiting for graduation, waiting through residency, waiting for coffee, but not all waiting is quite like Joey's. Here's Joey. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to you and tell you a little bit about myself and hopefully it'll keep you entertained for a little bit. So I grew up in a small town, Cedartown, Georgia. It's a small little city, one of four, situated in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains there in northwest Georgia. For the whole county of the four cities and the two communities, it's less than 18,000 people. So um, needless to say, we don't have much to brag about. So if you come to Cedartown, you'll learn very quickly that the voice of Winnie the Pooh, yeah, he was born there. <laughs> we have a museum down, downtown to prove it. So um, life there, well, on Friday nights when it wasn't football season, it consisted of riding back and forth up and down Main Street, hollering out the window of your 4 by 4 at your friends that you saw and um, meeting at the Waffle House and when that wasn't going on, then maybe going out to a cornfield and turning your headlights on and dancing out there and playing music. And yeah, that was, that was Cedartown life right there. Oh, oh, and regardless of age, race, creed, sex, gender, whatever, every year, you can bet your sweet behind, you'd be at the annual county fair. <laughs> so um, success, the definition of success was a little bit different than we tend to think of it. Um, Success consisted of either working at one of the three local factories, or if you were smart enough, you went off, went to college, became a teacher, and came back and taught. And so um, I had a little bit different plans for myself. See, in eighth grade, I knew I wanted to be a physician. And one of my daddy's friends gave me a book called Gifted Hands. Now, politics aside, again, politics aside, oh, Ben Carson had a lot in common with myself. And it kind of struck me. His mom was illiterate. Well, my mom can't read or write. Um, He had to overcome some circumstances. He had some anger issues. So there was a lot that kind of, you know, went on. He was black, I'm black. Um, That's probably the most obvious one. But uh, (laughs) anyhow, um, I got to looking around, and I said, you know, there's not, there really aren't any physicians around. And for the next three counties, there really 
weren't many. In fact, my wife and I both, neither one of us had a family physician until we got married, had a kid, and I had insurance. I didn't have a dentist either until I got married, had a kid, and had <laughs> insurance. So that's kind of the life that you live. And so I said, I don't want to just be a physician, though. I want to come back and be an active physician. I want to go into the high schools, and I want to talk to the students, not only about the importance of having health care, but also about how you can become a physician also. So we'll hold that thought. So I graduated high school, and I met my wife at the county fair. <laughs> Literally, true story. So we got married, we had a child, and dreams of being a physician electively faded into the back of my mind because I needed to have a good job and support my family. So I got hired at one of the local factories, the one where my daddy worked and my uncle worked. And um, within a year, I was quite successful. At 22, I was the youngest supervisor they had. Then my wife wanted to go and kind of shake things up a bit. See, she was in school en route to being a nurse because she was the first to graduate high school in her family. So that was a big thing. And now she was actually in college on her way to be a nurse. And she told me she wanted me to go back to school too. And I told her, you know, I'm making $40,000 a year. Are you crazy? <laughs> you know, I mean, this kind of money, you want me to leave this? I mean, come on, you know. But uh, as they say in the South, if man's the head of the household, then woman's the neck and knows how to turn the head whichever <laughs> way she wants to. <laughs> so she got me into it. Um, she told me she thought I was just scared that I couldn't beat her on the entrance exam. <laughs> so I showed her. I beat her. <laughs> but... Maybe she showed me in the end because I was also hooked now and said, well, heck, I might as well, you know. I've done set foot on campus. And so I went ahead and I started working third shift then, and I would go to school from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And, of course, we had our kid as well, and she was going to school. And so we made it work. I worked, you know, we, needless to say, one on very little sleep. All the parents know how that is. And after a year... I still had doubts that I could make it to be a physician. In fact, one of the things that kept me going is because I kept waiting for that class that I would fail so I could tell her, see, I told you, and go right back and work at the factory full time. But I ended up acing all of my courses. And then I got to thinking, you know, this money I'm getting to go to school, I've got to pay it back. So, shoot, I might as well do the best I can, you know? <laughs> so I went ahead and took the plunge, and I enrolled in school full time, and I started working part-time jobs then. Um, in fact, at one point, I actually held three part-time jobs while going to school 18 to 22 hours for a semester just to try to get done as much as I could because um, I got tired of waiting. I was out of, you know, after high school, I was out for five years. Now I'm back in school. Sometimes I wondered, you know, what the heck am I doing? And so I continued on, and the end result was I got into the top medical schools I had on my list. Hooray, you know, right? Like, it's, you know, it's time to go. It's, let's go. And then the feeling hit and reality hit. And I thought, how in the world am I going to move my family away from little Cedartown, Georgia, to go somewhere else? And I realized it wasn't an option. I had to defer entry for at least a year. So then it was back to the drawing board. I got to looking at different jobs that I could get into so I applied for goodness during that month everything construction worker um, a ranch hand a farmer 
I think I applied for a beekeeper. <laughs> I know for a fact I, I was hired at the local McDonald's, and so I was going to take that job, but then I get this phone call. And so I pick it up, hello? And on the other end, it's a familiar voice. It's Todd. Now, see, I know Todd from, from back before. When I first started at the community college, Todd himself was um, an admissions worker. And he helped me get everything together, and we had become friends, and he had seen what I'd been through, and now here he was the dean of the campus at the school. And so he says, Joey, you know, I saw your name in an application pool. Are you still interested in working here? I was like, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> and so he hired me on as the recruiter. Now, this was very significant for me because I now had a job after I was accepted into medical school to where I would actually go to the high schools in my area and talk to the kids about going to college themselves and the importance of health care. So this was like a fulfillment for me. And shortly after having that job, I also took on another position as the Minority Achievement Counselor. Well, as, as I went out and I talked to students out in the community and the high schools and also the students there at college, I realized some very familiar phrases. Whenever I talked to them about what their dreams were, I frequently heard, oh, you know, I can't, you know, it'd be cool to be a nurse, but I can't do that. Nobody in my family has money. I can't go to school. Or people saying, you know, I'm, I'm just going to work at the factory like anyone else. You know, you might as well not even talk to me about all of that. You know, I got to make a living or things like people like us can't be doctors. Who do you notice a doctor that looks like us? And so it disheartened me a little bit because I saw myself in them, obviously. But it was just what I needed to come up with an idea. And I thought, I've got the fix. So I went home. And uh, no, I wasn't going to take them to the county fair to get a wife <laughs> as persistent as me, as I had found. But um, what I did do was I called the director of admissions over at Morehouse School of Medicine. And I had met him along the way because he was in a different position. He was a minority counselor at another medical school where I had gotten accepted, and now he was director of admissions here. And so it was a nice, you know, reunite, reuniting party between he and I. And um, I asked him, hey, can I bring a group of minority students up there to see you? And I told him the situation. He said, well, of course. So we took a bus, bust him up there to school, paid for everything that I was working at, and he gave him the red carpet treatment. And you could see the proverbial glass shattering from above their heads, you know. They saw people that looked like them, also people that were so diverse, you know, different cultures, ethnicities, folks who had had it harder than they had, immigrants, people with families, single moms, people that were traditional students, and you could just see them like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't know this existed. And so I stand here tonight, like I said, happy that you guys would listen to me and allow me to speak to you about my story. And also to report three things. Number one is that I'm in my third year of medical school, about to be an actual physician and have titles behind my name, besides the three I's because I am the third. <laughs> Number two is that two of the students that went on that trip with me got accepted to Morehouse School of Medicine. One of them is in the same year as I am because, of course, I deferred a year. The other is a year behind me. And number three, that I've signed a contract with a county less than an hour away from my hometown. So when I do go back to practice as a physician, 
I will also get to revisit those same high schools that I did as a, as a recruiter and a minority achievement counselor, only this time as an actual physician and fulfill my dream that I've had since back in eighth grade. Thank you. AMSA Adlib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself. Special thanks to Perry Tsai for organizing the evening's Story Slam event. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Kelly Tibbert is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. How can you sharpen your competitive edge? Learn how to land your first choice residency, take part in clinical skill building sessions, and debate emerging issues in healthcare. Join us for AMSA's fall conferences October 15th through the 16th in Puerto Rico and November 19th through the 20th in New York City. Visit amsafallconference.org to register now.